Hebrews chapter 12, our text this morning is verses 4 to 6. I'd like to pick up reading at verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Father, this morning we are thankful to be able to prepare our hearts for the fellowship of the Lord's table with a reminder of our status before you as children. Children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And because of that, it is imperative as this table reminds us that we remember that we are dealt with by you, the heavenly parent, as your own children, even when we do not honor you as our heavenly father. Lord, help us today to think about the positive and the negative ramifications of a Heavenly Father committed to our advancement to the full after the image of Thy perfect Son, Jesus Christ. This we pray in Jesus' name and for His blessed sake. Amen. I forgot! You forgot to feed the dog? You forgot to brush your teeth? You forgot to make your bed? Most every wise and loving parent has heard one of their children say, I forgot. On this day, in which we exercise ourselves as the children of God to remember the Lord, at the table of remembrance, we introduce the next section in Hebrews 12, where we find, among other things, a warning about forgetting God's parental ways with us. The standard for parents is set forth in heaven. God is the perfect parent. And the way that he deals with us as his children is exactly the way that parents ought to deal with their own earthly children. It is quite astounding the lack of parental oversight and discipline that is a part of the American culture in this day. 
Today, we will be reminded as believers about God's parental ways. And I tell you that God as a parent is not like the ones I grew up with necessarily and may not be the ones that you are currently emulating. But I tell you that God is the perfect parent. And we would be interested and should be interested to note his ways. In the broader section of chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, God is depicted as the most wise and loving parent. And the believer is depicted as a child of God in training. I didn't say potty training, but I could have, because an awful lot of God's people are still in potty training. But nonetheless, well beyond potty training, there is a spiritual comparison of being trained as a child of God. Now, the word training is the best English word I know with which to work in and through this portion because of the repeated use of the Greek word paadion, which means child training, child instruction, or child discipline. Paul told the Christian parents in Ephesus not to provoke their children to anger, but to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. The word nurture in Ephesians 6.2 is paadion. Bring them up in child training and admonition. Paul also told Timothy that the scripture itself is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. 1 Timothy 3.16. In that text, the word instruction is likewise translated from paadion. In our Hebrew text, we will find not once, not twice, not three times, but more, the Hebrew word paadion as translated chasten. It is the Greek word for child training. And it covers the broad spectrum of the periandal task in both formulating and correcting their children's behaviors. We live in a day when parents believe that children ought to honor them. Because the Bible says children obey and honor your parents. But parents in our day do not train their children to honor their parents. And it is the parents' responsibility to train their children to honor mom and dad. That training is the responsibility of the parents. Good parents train their children. They don't just teach their uh, uh, children. They train their children. Teaching, the biblical word teaching, most often has to do with the positive side of formulating, of forming things, informing and formulating things in the life of another. The idea of 
of chastening, the idea of, of correcting, the idea of discipline is, is thought to be a separate and a different thing. And yet, really, teaching and training come together in, in this one concept of pahadion and the heavenly parent of whom our scripture encourages us not to forget his parental ways. Again, in the broader section here, God is depicted as the most wise and loving heavenly parent. And the believer is depicted as a child of God in training. And so we're beginning today to think about our, our training as saints or saint training. Holy ones in training. You can actually see that in the text as we get to it next week. Verse 10, it says, For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he, God, for our profit, that, here comes the goal of God's child training, we might be partakers of his holiness. We'll get back to that in just a moment. The first thing I want you to see from verse 4, ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. The first thing I want you to see from verse 4 is that reminiscence of the cross. Having been commanded in verse 3 to consider Christ, to contemplate continually Christ in the particular way in which he endured the cross, as a means to our mental stability and endurance of faith. Now in verse 4, the Hebrews were reminded that they had not yet suffered to the same extent of blood and death in their stand against sin as did their Savior. It's kind of an unusual thing for a Bible leader to write, but under inspiration, the Bible writer says, living for Jesus hasn't killed you. Living for Jesus hasn't killed you. Uh, when Sherry decided some years ago that she would hand-stitch a, a queen-size quilt for each of our personal family members, I, I had no idea how labor-intensive that would be. Uh, the one quilt uh, has already survived five Florida hurricanes, uh, having the equivalent, that one quilt has the equivalent of 17 football fields length of thread stitched into it. Every hand stitch done by my honey. One winter day before completing her last and final quilt, when I came home for lunch, I found her in the bathroom taping up her fingers. Her loving needlework that day had drawn blood by diligent effort. But blood drawn is not blood shed. Blood drawn means you need a bandage. Blood shed means you need a coffin. When the Lord Jesus took his stand against our sin, it cost him 
his life's blood. You have not yet resisted sin in your personal case to the place that has killed you. Now, diligent effort of the Lord Jesus in opposition to our sin certainly ended in bloodshed. He died for our sins. His faithfulness went all the way to the cross, lifted up, as it is in the text before the Hebrew Christians, to remind them of their own struggles against sin and self-serving, and that it had not yet killed them. Although martyrdom for a believer is never completely off the table in the will of God for some believers. The cross is not only central to our correct understanding of the gospel and the doctrine of justification, but the cross is central to our correct understanding of faithfulness and endurance and the doctrine of sanctification. Remembering the cross is not only thanking God that you have been saved from the penalty of your sin, but remembering the cross is also the central truth upon which you understand uh, the great necessity of your cooperation with God uh, to live in power over sin until the day that you're removed from the presence of sin. It is the perfect demonstration of trust and obey The cross of Christ is the perfect demonstration of trust and obey to follow unto our sanctification. That's not all it is. It is, first and foremost, the legal enactment of God, the payment of God for our sins, as required by His own holiness. We just sang it in the song, rendered God propitious by nature of the new robe of Christ placed on by faith, God has been rendered propitious or satisfied because of the death of His Son. That is the news of our justification. That is the gospel that is preached from the table of the Lord, to be sure. But the gospel that is preached not only has a direct effect upon our standing, our justification, our legal posture in righteousness before God, not our own or a alien righteousness, but it also, indeed, the cross also is a perfect demonstration of the Lord's own trust and obey for us to follow in the pursuit of sanctification. The cross, the central truth of salvation, The cross, the central truth in our sanctification. Secondly, as saints in training, we need to remember the faithful communication of God's activity in the life of his children. Verse 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. Children being weos, or sons. Then comes a quote from Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, despise thou not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 is therein quoted 
to inform believers of exactly what God is up to in our lives during the days of earthly sojourn. Our communion instructions say this to us. Judge yourselves. If we would judge ourselves, that means I make up my own mind about how well I'm doing? No. If we would judge ourselves, if we would open up our Bibles and consider the infallible, inerrant word of the living God in application to our own hearts and pull our own lives up to it by means of self-evaluation, if we would judge ourselves by the word of God, then there is no need whatsoever for the heavenly parent to judge us. But, says our communion instructions, when we are judged of God, and we are when we haven't brought ourselves to the word of God, uh, when we are judged of God, God doesn't treat us like we're, like we're unsaved people. God doesn't treat us like anything but his children. And the word, the key word in our communion instruction is that God chastens us. He works in our lives to bring to bear the judgments of his word upon the realities of our heart in such a way that we are not, we are not, we are not herein, we are not herein judged with the world. We are God's family. He dealeth with us as with sons. Now, if you forget that, if you forget that, like the Hebrews forgot that, then what happens is, is that you'll be th- saying things like this to God. God, why? Why, God? Oh, why? Why, God? Oh, why this? Why that? Why this? Why that? Why over? Why? 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 <laughs> have you ever been around a kid when they're just upset and they have, have even forgotten why they're upset? They're just absolutely unhinged. What an ungodly state for a child of God to be in. (laughs) You have forgotten that God is a wise and loving parent. You have forgotten that God deals with us as with sons. Proverbs chapter 1 to 9 are referred to as the Davidic Proverbs because Solomon simply rehearsed the wise things that his father David had taught him as a child. Therefore, the exegetical key to the first nine chapters of Proverbs is the repeated use of the term of fatherly endearment My son, my son this, my son that. Proverbs 1 to 9 is a unique section of the word of God, all directed towards a son from a loving and wise parent. David taught Solomon, listen, David taught Solomon that God was the all-wise and all-loving heavenly parent 
that actively nourishes, instructs, and corrects his children. David, Solomon's earthly father, faithfully taught his son of the heavenly father's commitment to work to make his children holy as he is holy. That communication, Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, is quoted here to the Hebrews to remind them of the Heavenly Father's ongoing work in the life of every believer to make them holy as he is holy. And again, verse 10 says that precisely. We add to the exhortation of remembering the cross the idea of remembering this communication of the Father's work to make us holy. What is God up to in your life? What is God up to in my life? He's up to making us be more like Christ. He's up to making us holy as he is holy, that we would better bear the characteristics of the Heavenly Father's family. Number three, and quickly, as saints in training, let's remember the connection of training and parental love. Verse six, for whom the Lord loveth, he chastens. Whom the Lord loveth, he disciplines. Whom the Lord loveth, he trains. Listen, God only trains his own children. This verse is phenomenally inclusive of all believers. God the Father nourishes. God the Father instructs. God the Father corrects. God the Father disciplines each and every one of his own children. God expects his children to cooperate with his loving training process, even when it takes the form of chastening and scourging. Do you realize that verse 6 tells us that the most wise and loving heavenly parent spanks, scourges, He desires and works to make all his children holy because he is holy. And so therefore, I tell you that when we come to the table of the Lord with such a passage of scripture as this, we have not only wonderful visual reminder of the very point of emphasis that should make our hearts absolutely leap in thanksgiving, Christ has died for our sins. But we should also, in the cross, we should also, having received God's infallible communication and been duly reminded of the heavenly parents' work, understand that we are uniquely dealt with by God in such a way so as to be uh, made holy as he is holy. And so for salvation, we come to the table of the Lord in the spirit of thanksgiving. 
And for the sake of sanctification, we come to the table of the Lord, understanding that apart from God's enablement, none of us can live the way that God would require. And so we return to the cross and the foot of the cross with our prayers and our pledges that we might bow before the Almighty and know the fresh supply of His provision for yet another day. Father, thank you for the listening ear and for the unique opportunity that we have in this hour to honor you and to celebrate the table of our Lord in remembrance. Stir our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.